0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southside Trap Podcast, the podcast that helps you stay outside with the Chicago Red Stars. It's your girl Sandra here today to do a fall series recap. We got to talk about it all—thoughts, feelings, opinions—and uh, we're gonna get into some stuff as expansion looms closer for all teams in NWSL. So there's a lot to get to here today. So I'm uh, I'm here today with my friend, homie, and colleague Claire Watkins. A.K.A. the scam originator. How are you doing today, Claire? I'm good. Um, that's all I got. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, that's all I really got to to, to start to start, folks. Um, we're coming at you, uh, recording this on uh, October the 23rd, which is a Friday, and uh, a sad day for the American uh, soccer media community. Uh, everyone is mourning in their own way. The passing of daryl grove if you're unfamiliar with daryl grove because th- that's fine if you are uh things happen and uh, not everybody listens to every single bit of media content that's available but daryl grove was a co-host of the total soccer show podcast uh, alongside uh, his friend tyler there and uh, he had been battling very bravely uh, against cancer and uh that fight came to an end and uh, we just wanted to extend our deepest sympathies, our respect and all of our best wishes and vibes to so many people who loved him and who are mourning him today uh, there's always a lot of discussion here on South Side Trap podcast uh, about the concept of what we Are proud of here and and building and a lot of that is a discussion of of community and uh, the way we get to do that and I know that I am always so excited to hop onto these calls because A, we get to talk about the Chicago Red Stars and B, I get to do that with my friend and um, it's a blessing. It really, really is and we just wanted to kick off uh, the top of this segment, uh, extending our uh, condolences to Daryl Grove and his uh, friends and family. And with that, we're going to try to do and continue to do what we do best, which is uh, be here for each other and uh, by extension with everyone else who, who likes to come onto these journeys with us. And uh, last episode, we recapped the final uh, fall series match between Sky Blue and Chicago, ended up in a loss. And we had to discuss uh, the, the journeys of some potential Red Stars uh, heading over to U.S. Women's National Team camp. And uh, we felt it would be appropriate to come on here and just sort of lay all that to rest, guys. Because honestly, you have to just put it away. Like, Fall Series was a thing that happened, and there were some pockets of it that uh, had a lot of joy. There were some pockets of it that felt real confusing. And uh, most of all, I think everybody is on board. Uh, Glad that it's over. Claire, uh, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I enjoyed the fall series. um, But I would say that I am equally sad that the 2020 NWSL quotation season is over, um, while also being very ready for it. I think there's only so much... I think the the main feeling for me is that there's only so many like disjointed events that you can participate in before you start to get very uh, tired. <laughs> um, not necessarily because of the events themselves, but because it's a lot of waiting and then hurry up and wait and then go do this thing. And then that happened and it was different than what we're used to and also different than the thing that we did before. And we're going to do it for this long, but then we're going to stop, but then maybe we're going to start again. So... I I think that I'm ready for a little bit of like all of us in many part of our lives um just a little bit of continuity and uh schedules and stuff like that so um I enjoyed the fall series I like friendlies I think friendlies are are very are interesting especially and you don't get to see them um at the club level like ever so I really enjoyed some of that but um yeah I'm ready to I'm ready to close there <laughs> there were like <laughs> six different nwsl players this week that used the same phrase on instagram about 2020 they all said it's one for the books and i was like i wonder like what group chat they said that in and then they all posted it on instagram but they're right one for the books and i'm ready to close this chapter
0: yeah amen homie uh yeah one for the books what kind of story would it be right are you into mystery are you into horror who knows you're the author write it out uh we're gonna get into all that, you know. We we have a, there were a record of games that happened. We have to talk about that, and um, before we get into that, we also want to just sort of highlight some things that we have in the works. For everyone and also mention and maybe sort of apologize for the delay I know so many of our wonderful subscribers and general listeners usually look out for an episode from us some somewhere between the Tuesday and Wednesday landscape we like to hit you beginning middle of the week there. And uh, we had planned uh, some things out accordingly for this week uh, in light of the NWSL, uh, kind of putting out their press release, right, and announcing a series of dates for essentially what was going to kick off their offseason. And that was going to start with uh, yesterday, October the 22nd, with the uh, closing of a trade window and deadline where uh, teams we're set to announce uh, some trades and uh we thought you know maybe it would be a good idea to hold off a little bit maybe we can hit everybody with a sort of an all encompassing kind of episode instead of just like a shorter episode on on fall series uh but we're going to have to wait and see right if the red stars are going to go ahead and uh, make some moves and uh we'll probably find out sooner rather than later
1: yeah the deadline um which we thought was going to be a deadline for announcement, announcement meaning to the public in a press release of some kind, uh, ended up, I think, being a little bit fuzzier than we had anticipated. Um, And so, yeah, we were waiting just generally to see if there was some team news. And I think the only thing we can really say definitively is that there is still the possibility of team news, uh, despite thinking that maybe um, there would have been some definitive deadlines this past week. So we waited Uh, because we don't want to say a bunch of words about things that aren't happening. Um, But here we are with the same amount of information that we had yesterday and the day before. So we're going to do our best to speak uh, about the past, I guess, and then we'll move on to the
0: present next time. Nobody wants to talk about the future. That's boring. Let's talk about things that we already know, like the fall series, the Red Stars interesting results, right? I think it's safe to say that if you're just looking at it on paper and you look at that and you go, "Mm, that's not a good record. Red Stars went ahead and got themselves one win, one draw and two losses. They found themselves uh, split up, you know, all nine clubs were split up into regional pods and they went ahead and found themselves split up into the Northeast pod, clearly proudly representing the North uh, with, Washington Spirit and Sky Blue FC. And uh, just to show, you know, love and respect, because that's something that we're super about here on Southside Trap, I know we were kind of hyped to see Chicago go up against these two teams in particular. Uh, I know that we have said on numerous occasions that, uh, you know, when the Washington Spirit come to town or or the Red Stars are going to go up, against the spirit it's it, it's a game that you know uh, we both kind of get up for and maybe pay attention to a little bit closer with some of the uh pieces that they've added to their team uh players that we really enjoy watching and somebody like uh, you know andy sullivan and uh with this year in particular a team like sky blue i think maybe might have intrigued us in a similar sense you know they were a team that went out and made some moves uh including you know new head coach Freya Coombe and and uh, we were kind of like, what's that going to look like? And then 2020 kind of became what it became. And we got uh, one look in the Challenge Cup at Washington Spirit, right? And one look at Sky Blue in the Challenge Cup. And then here we were in fall series, and they were going to play them a couple more times. And uh, they were two kind of – they felt like a little bit like two different teams from their Challenge Cup counterparts to fall series, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um... Yeah. I mean, I think it was, it was a well sort of weighted group. And I think that it's not a surprise that um, everyone kind of got different results from one another, depending on the first or their second game in that round Robin. Um, Yeah. I think Washington, I think Washington still, I think both Washington and sky blue are a big work in progress, um, honestly. And I think that, um, but they've got very positive. I mean, I think that's this is the whole thing, right? With with all of these teams, is they there was nobody throwing this series, right? You had some teams maybe this fall. We'd say, "Ugh, this is not really a, a doing much for them," you know, like Utah or North Carolina, you know, like that. There are some teams where you're like, they're just out there to do it. They're really not um, here to compete, um, but for all three of these teams, they have some positives and they have some things that they need to work on. And, um, I think you saw that in kind of the competitiveness of, uh, of these games. And I think it's also like, it's funny that there was some question of whether the winner of the Northeast pod would make the top three at all, which is indicative of, of people taking points off of one another. So I think that like, um, I think the only, the only real lopsided result was just that, uh, Chicago never beat Washington. They only tied them during that one game, but it came very close, right? It came very close to like the 88th, 89th minute to each team getting a win and each team getting a loss. So um, that's pretty competitive, right?
0: I liked, um, I think at one point, maybe midway during some of these games, like they had all played each other at least one time at this point and I sort of took a second to like think about it and I tweeted something random out like we always do when we have a thought and I said something along the lines of like I'm really glad that these three teams got lumped together in their group because I felt like uh, there were some components there even if we're just looking at individual matchups right on the pitch that kind of matched up really well with each other, uh, I think I refer to it as like kind of a. It gave me like a vibe of like I called it like a gritty grinders division. Like you hear that a lot. Like sorry to bring in another sport into a soccer podcast, but like American football, like NFL, like you hear that a lot with like the central division for the north, like the Bears, Packers, and, and Vikings, and you know they call it the black and blue division. Like and we hear that even at the collegiate level with like Big Ten soccer, that it's like very physical and like you have to be built a certain kind of way to compete in like Big Ten soccer. You know. Um, And that was almost kind of the vibe that I got in watching these three teams maybe kind of go toe-to-toe during these matches. Uh, I got to say, you know, I I don't know if I would consider the Red Stars to be like maybe one of those teams that were like – like that we saw like out of North Carolina, where it was just like, okay, well, here's some more games and we're just gonna go. Like, there's not gonna be a lot of expectations. So I, I would put them maybe in somewhere in the mix of both, right? Where like they were not having a lot of expectations upon themselves, but they were very clearly like still using this as an opportunity for more training, right? Opportunities to get more evaluations in and more looks at players and stuff like that.
1: Definitely. I think right. So I, I wanna be fair to Chicago, and I think we've been very fair to Chicago that um it wasn't like in this pod Chicago was they were the finalist in the championship last year and they're here to show these up and coming teams, you know, they how good they are compared to them. Like it wasn't that right. And um, some of that was due to injury circumstance. Some of that was due to continuing the project. Um, and some of it was due to like some stuff that Chicago did well and then didn't do quite so well. So I think that that it, you have to be fair to the red stars and say they were not trying to do say what i think the only team that really went in here and was like we're gonna fix this was portland um and it helped it helped that they were in a pod with the rain in utah but they 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 put they were their goal after kind of a disappointing challenge cup was to put it all together and so they succeeded in doing that um for chicago it was a mixture of putting it all together and playing more people and so I think that that has to be a a factor in talking about this um and then you know for for Sky Blue and for Washington they also had injury issues they you know they didn't get much of Jordan DiBiase or Tegan McGrady down in Washington obviously they let Rose Lavelle go Andy Sullivan didn't play at all in the the fall series games, so they are nowhere near their full strength
0: huh the rest stars didn't get to see Ashley Hatch either. Really, like, that's right.
1: That's right. Yeah, Ashley Hatch just through circumstances, <laughs> like timing. She just she yeah. her injured games. The rest stars didn't play against her. Um, and or
0: Pugh Mal- for, for Sky
1: Blue. Well, right for, Mallory Pugh – Oh gosh. Oh no, I can't talk today. Mallory Pugh. Um, and and even Estelle Johnson. We saw the huge difference that Estelle Johnson made from game one to game two for Sky Blue against Chicago. So, um. Yeah, just deeply inconclusive, honestly, yeah, for, yeah, for all three teams. But like you said, they none of these teams have the ability to roll over. They don't really know how to let games go. And so I think that that's really cool that you always had, even if it wasn't the best soccer, it was always two teams that were genuinely trying to grind out a result no matter what.
0: Yeah, and I think for a lot of American soccer fans, when – you're looking at the game of soccer uh they're into that like a lot of like casual like american soccer fans are like oh yeah like let's just get out there and like get after that right um and it was fun to see i mean there were a lot of um it's it's great that you brought up the thorns because it's like you could see that next step right it was like okay so this is what happened in the challenge cup And we had some ideas there and like, now we're going to make like actually convert those and execute those ideas and like see it happen. And yeah, absolutely. It helps uh, going up against teams that they went up against. Uh, And for, I think the three teams in this Northeast bubble, like they wanted to maybe see a continuation of that, but for maybe a team like the spirit, it was maybe a little bit difficult because of the pieces that they lost. Right. Uh, Because they were really, they were we. In the know, right? Kind of touted them as like a team to watch in the Challenge Cup. And they pretty much proved that correct, you know, as they got into the, you know, knockout rounds, but were eventually eliminated. And then coming in a fall series, like that's not really the same team because of the pieces that they lost, whether it was Roosevelt overseas or, or players out to injury. But it, similar to the Red Stars, right? It provided a lot of opportunity for players to, uh, who maybe weren't able to get that time, you know, shout out to Crystal Thomas for putting it on the red stars. Uh, she was a, a player to come off and, and really kind of take it, take it to the team. And so for Chicago, uh, they were coming out of this challenge cup, having reached the final and losing that final. But I don't think there was still really that like, yeah, let's, this is our chance <laughs> for redemption. It's the fall series. Um, that's not there. I mean, there was this great component, like there was this very cool, very dope component that I hope is continued in some capacity moving forward with the introduction of a Verizon community shield where all of the nine clubs had to essentially uh, seek out a local business or a local program to essentially play for when it came to, uh, you know, winning what was a prize grant. And that component was cool right uh but even with with that added thing it's like you still have players who are playing in such an unusual unusual unimaginable year uh so how do you sort of keep that kind of competitive environment while just trying to make sure that everyone is just okay and doing their best right uh so for me i think like going into these fall series games like uh, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting a whole lot I was going in this thing with like, really eyes wide open. And I think I got what uh, I, I kind of got what I wanted out of this uh, fall series was more looks at individual performances. Like I wanted to see Kalia Watt build off of her strong challenge cup because she did have a really good challenge cup that unfortunately just really didn't see her name on the score sheet. And that happened in fall series. So we got to see the continuation of Kalia Watt and who she is and could be for this team. And we got to see her in much different roles in fall series uh, versus challenge cup, you know, and I love that we got to see a player like Zoe Morris continue to get starts. I mean, we're talking about a player who appeared in all four, right. Of these fall series matches in some capacity, but getting three starts and, and hearing so much about this, player and a player that Claire I know you and I were, were high on when they drafted her like we were just kind of like yeah like they drafted Zoe Morse and they need themselves a shit kicker and they're getting one in, in Zoe Morse and she kind of went out there and kind of kicked some ass and, and and made the most I think of those those appearances
1: yeah I you know it's been it's been kind of formulating in my brain a little bit the whole the Zoe, the Zoe Morse project um which I enjoy because um so she came out of Virginia, which is a very strong college soccer team um but she was not the most highly touted Virginia player on that back line. I mean that was Courtney Peterson who went to orlando Land- orlando yes okay so she so she was kind of the, the the lesser heralded person in that central defense um but I think it is it's useful again to say that uh you know Chicago is very good at. Taking those kinds of players that are very solid, but maybe are not someone where you look at them on tape in in college and say, you know, that is that the oh my gosh the natural gift is is upon this this player. She, I mean, she's very good, but um, they're they're good at taking those fundamentals and building on them. And so I think that that you I said it I've said it a million times. You know, it's exactly what they did with Katie Naughton, um and it's exactly what they did with Sarah Gordon. And so I think that they are able to that incubator. Um, for them is very useful, even as those players perhaps go to other teams, because they're able to keep bringing those players up. And I think that that's also very important. And we say this also a million times, because um, Julie Ertz and Tierna Davidson are very good soccer players, and they go play for the US a whole bunch. Um, oh, man, Tierna Davidson, that's one to talk about, maybe. Dude. <laughs> so, yeah, so she didn't play that much, right? She only played 116-17 minutes uh, in between the four games. Her, her accuracy during her limited time was insane. She had an eighty-two uh, percent long pass accuracy rate, which is like forty percent higher than the next highest person. Um,
0: just, just, which, regular, just, just punching in, just right, clocking in, and doing your job. Which, as we as we know about these
1: percentages, though, is like. So, yes, maybe it's useful that you have fewer minutes because obviously the more passes that you make, the more opportunities you have to miss them. But also, if you're in limited minutes, one wrong pass really messes with your percentage. So she I think she completed nine out of eleven long passes um, in a game and a half, um, which is she can't just it's so exciting because we got to see so little of her to have her come in and be like, "Oh, She's right back at it. She is, you know, there's no real learning curve for her here to get back into this. So that is very, very exciting. Um, That's a huge, for me, I think that's low key. One of the biggest positives um, of the fall series for Chicago was um, Tierna Davidson coming in and really being fit. Like she doesn't have maybe the full, she went the full 90 in the last game. So yeah, so just her really being 100% ready to go back on her bullshit in a very good way (laughs) um i that was awesome so yeah she was one that you know the eyeball test you see her go in and you're like wow this is a very calming player to bring into this back line but also you go look at the stats and they back that up as well so um yeah
0: karen davidson talented yeah good at soccer (laughs)
1: yeah breaking
0: breaking news guys uh don't know if you heard (laughs) and uh yeah no I, i I think it's it's completely 100% valid and fair to to bring Tina Davidson up. I mean again that that's why man that's that's a huge reason as to why uh there was this sort of push for these games, right? Challenge Cup was so successful. Um the bubble environment worked. Uh NWSL was really you know the first league to to prove that, you know, and and we got to see by extension bubble environments be the way you know in terms of competitive sports and um this this fall series was you know in terms of covid was similarly successful there was um some scares there within the south pod and stuff like that but in terms of the northeast pod it seemed like all the teams were very very strict in following their personal protocols for these clubs so i do want to shout out these three teams specifically, not just the Red Stars, cause it takes, it takes a village. Right. And uh, all three of these clubs really worked together, I think to, to try to make sure their teams adhered to all of those uh, protocols and shout out to the players. Cause they're really the ones that had to kind of buckle down. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think that obviously it would have been better to go through the fall series with no positive tests, but I just think one positive test is incredible. Um, again that we know of uh still can obviously you, the nwsl didn't report any inconclusives during the fall series or the challenge cup they also d- were did not self-report um the way the FAWSL does i don't know if you guys have noticed but the FAWSL self-reports all of their testing findings the nwsl did not do that i trust them i think um but we don't know for sure but we do know that um Just the one reported positive, I think that that is an indicative of, as we've seen just throughout the country, you have to take it upon yourself to give up a lot of things that other people are not giving up to stay safe right now um, without a lot of concrete guidance and truly, truly commendable from all of the players. And again, like we saw, you got to trust your opponents as well, as much as you trust your teammates. And so I think that that was a very good look. Yeah. Like you said, especially from that Northeast pod.
0: Yeah, shout out to them for sure. I mean, there's a, I mean, professional athletes already have a, like a layer of discipline to them, right, when it comes to having to adhere to certain scheduling and and things like that, right? But uh, to be kind of challenged through something like this, I mean, it's not, it's just not something that any athlete has ever had to kind of put themselves through, right? Um, All of these athletes who got through 2020 are going to have that, like bookmarked, right? in their careers, like they played through a pandemic, you know, so um, it's, it's wild to even just sort of say that out loud and, and, and think about it now, um, as we are approaching um, the final months of this year and really heading into an unknown and how things are gonna continue to be handled uh, regarding the pandemic. But, but for now, these were relatively successful moments that I think the Red Stars can also hang their hat on as well. Um, And, you know, with the fall series, we talked about this a bit too uh, during these respective games, but with these fall series uh, matches, it provided teams, you know, the opportunity to have like a home game day, right? Which uh, a lot of the clubs weren't able to get uh during challenge cup cuz again bubble environment in utah and um even by extension uh, like even like a team like orlando they they still had like a couple game like a game or two that didn't happen in exploria stadium but like their last game did you know so like they still had to wait um to kind of get that run out there in exploria but for for the red stars and so many teams uh, it provided the opportunity to have a home game day and um Some people might not think that that's important, but I think that's important to know. Um, We had a lot of rookies and a lot of first year red stars uh, on this team. And uh, the concept of representing a city like Chicago uh, and then playing your games in a facility in Bridgeview uh, might take some adapting to, you know, and, I loved that a player like Kalia Watt was able to join us and speak a little bit about that. And I I think that the Red Stars um, probably had, you know, the better of some of their individual performances when they were able to get those runs out uh, in Breedery. You know, we saw Kalia Watt score those goals and we saw like a really 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 kind of grinded out game against uh spirit for that second home game which really really just i think we you and i both said a couple times we're like yeah that feels right that, that feels right with that second game so i i love that the the red stars were able to get two at home uh thanks i to the
1: mean yeah i think you you hit the nail on the head when you spoke on on the rookies and the new red stars like this was a very different roster and i think that um it just helps you feel like a red star. Like you, you mentioned Watt, and that that's the big one really. Right. Cause it was a very big <laughs> kind of uh personal brand move, or I don't know a better way to put this, but to, to move from being like, she's the Houston person to going and playing for Chicago. Um, I bet that you just don't really super feel like a red star until you've actually played a game in in Bridgeview, and obviously, you know they'll, they'll want to do that in front of fans. But um, it's grounding in a very um, destabilizing year. So I think that I agree that that was that was a huge positive um, because, like we said, I mean we talked about this when when we went. There were a lot of things that almost felt kind of normal about that game day, and I think that that um, is useful. And I think you're right that if we're talking about the positives to take away from the fall series, um, whatever boost they got from especially that first game at SeatGeek allowed them to put a lot of, like, positive tape together. And it would have been too bad if they hadn't have had the opportunity to do that. So, um,
0: yeah. Claire, let's talk about the soccer a little bit. Some of the soccer that we saw.
1: (laughs) Yeah, let's do that.
0: We, we talked a lot about some of the positives here, and, and uh, we do that a lot uh, at Southside Trap because, I mean, we love, this is the Chicago Red Stars podcast, man. I mean, that's what we do. You know what I mean? We, we talk about the Red Stars, we show love, uh, but we try to keep things real as well. And we got to talk a little bit about uh, maybe some things that worked, maybe some things that didn't work. And um, I think kind of building off of the Challenge Cup, I think us talking about and boiling it down to individual performances, right, kind of maybe tells a little bit of what the soccer was looking like or lack of it. I mean, there's still a lot of ideas there, right, that we're seeing versus actual uh, execution. Um, it's, it, I think it was maybe perfect, <laughs> perfect ending, even though it was a loss to Sky Blue that we saw those two games between Chicago and Sky Blue and how different they looked in terms of flipping a script uh but into we can maybe take it line by line or we can just talk about it as whole what, what were you thinking about uh some of the soccer that came out of the Red Sox for false series?
1: um maybe i just want to start tactically a little bit uh this is less about the players um and more about the coaching philosophy um because this is very overarching but i it, it's been interesting in, in circumstances that are not the best to see what tactics these different coaches have relied on. And more than ever, I'm just like, wow, women's soccer teams play two ways. (laughs) Way. Number one, they slowly possess out of the back. They put together a million passes. They try to get their 300 passes a game. They do build up play and they try to turn that into the final product in front of goal. The second way they play, is the opposite of that. They hang back, they absorb, and they do fast counters. And that was it this year from everybody. Those were the two options. Um, We saw North Carolina maybe try to do some different things, but that didn't go great. Um, Not enough time. So I think uh, that for Chicago, we saw them do both. Um, We saw them do the absorb encounter, um, which was very effective for them in different ways last year we saw them do build-up play um and i think in in with short training times and stuff like this the the uh, the absorb counter is always going to be more effective that's just true for the circumstances of this year so um it, it's hard to i don't know how hard to be on them for when the possession style didn't work uh, because that's something that takes time, but I mean, I have to say, you know, it's still inconclusive whether Chicago can maintain the goal scoring that they need to maintain using the front six that they have. I think that's still fair. I mean, it's a completely different attacking style than what they've done for the last six years, and sometimes, I would say sometimes it worked and sometimes it different. But I'd also say that the games where it worked the best was when they were countering. So I don't know still if the possession front six is going to work. And I'm not sure they know either. I mean, they saw stuff that they liked, but the last two games where Dan said the exact same thing, the passing was not effective. They were passing around the box. Um, and this is a midfield trio that is very, very good, but has never been asked to do this quite like this. And, and so I think that I, so, ta- so basically all I'm saying is that tactically, we have seen one or the other. And one worked better for everybody than the other one. Countering worked better for every single team than, than possessing. Um, same is true for Chicago, but it's valid to say that I still don't know if the goals that they scored is a proof of concept for what they are saying that they want to do. So I don't know,
0: you know, Yeah, same. I'm with you. I was trying to refrain from cackling when you were referring to uh, there are two types of soccer in women's uh, American domestic soccer because you are correct. Um, It was something that uh, I know we've talked about amongst our own women's soccer circles it's something that um i actually had to speak a bit upon with ellie wagner on CBS sports like it's just a thing that is a a little bit of an open fact when it comes to nwsl and uh, american domestic uh, soccer um in general and um yeah I, i that's i think precisely why i wanted to sort of maybe pinpoint those two games specifically against you know sky blue and and Chicago, kind of how we wanted to see that like if you're if you're bored guys like if you're bored and you still have access to your your cbs access and you were cool and didn't cancel your subscription you can go ahead and like still see those games and the you know see kind of what we're we're talking about and and the difference in in those two matches um but i mean of course of course i'm in 100 percent agreement with you on that i mean and we're also this was, these were the matches. This was the competition, right? Not challenge cup. This was the competition where we saw the rest making an adjustment when it came to that offense, because we saw a huge adjustment in Inkleo while being played in the nine because it wasn't working because it wasn't working. And um, maybe it's difficult again. And it's, it's so awkward to maybe try to sit down on a podcast and try to analyze the tactics of soccer in a year like 2020 when literally everyone is just trying their best. Right. Uh, But uh, you and I know that. And that's why we're kind of taking some of these tactical performances with like, not just a little bit of a grain of salt. Like we're just like taking the Mortons and dumping it all over that shit. Like, You kind of have like we kind of gotta keep that um, in perspective. Like, who's to say that you know we see a player like Leo? Watt continue to play in the nine, or we continue to see this midfield sort of build upon what we build upon. And I think it's important. And we've talked about that about this midfield specifically. This this dynamic between Morgan Gattara, Danny Colaprico, Vanessa Di Bernardo. I just want to reemphasize to everyone how much of a blessing truly like, put him up put the hands up for this midfield to be able to have gotten this many games together consecutively, because that has not been something that has always like typically occurred. These are players who have played together for quite some time and over the years have had to do that. Without one of those components, they're always nursing or trying to get through uh, some type of lingering or nagging injury that maybe kind of keeps one or the other um, out. So to be able to um, see these players uh, produce what they were producing together uh, was really, really promising. And um, the fact that it happened over the course of like two separate competitions and then really seeing it happening in fall series, I, I think was was a bright spot. And I hope it's something that we can continue to see because it's, it's evident that that's where it's going to start.
1: Yes, definitely. And I want to be clear that when I, when I'm talking about these kinds of generalities, I'm not talking about players necessarily, because I, 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 there's no question that this midfield can figure this out. They're just being asked to do a very different thing. Vanessa DiBernardo for her entire professional career has been asked to break lines on the counter and she's so good at it. It's just a different role to be trying to break lines not on the counter while you have time on the ball. And it's also, you have to have other people making the right runs. Like it's just a completely different thing. Um, And so I think that I agree. It's been when they were good, they were so good during this fall and it was wonderful just to see them playing with confidence and that chemistry that they've built up over, you know, years of training together. But again, it's very rare for them to get this much game time. And so it's, more again, I just it's I would say, friend of the podcast Rory Dames, it's more on the coaching staff to figure it out than it is on the players. They need to be able to turn this into something um, where the players can move with with purpose. And and like I and like you're saying, I'm not expecting that from 2020. But while we're just talking about building, um, I think that that is the next step. And then also having a front line that's making making the runs that they need to be making and or even just like in terms of someone like Savannah McCaskill, I think she just needs to work on her finishing a little bit and that will also help.
0: No reds. No yeah.
1: br- Oh my gosh, yeah.
0: Katie Katie Johnson did so good to not get any red cards in twenty twenty and Savannah McCaskill just goes out there and gets a red. <laughs> <laughs> Those two. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to the shout out to the second years uh we enjoyed uh watching them put in work during the challenge cup unfortunately we didn't get to see a whole lot from katie johnson because she was nursing a knee injury and uh shout out to her for participating in trainings and trying to make sure that she was uh getting time in there yeah uh during during fall series uh but yeah i just to put a book on, on, on the tactics again, it's just, uh, I did want us to chat about it a little bit just in terms of like getting our own personal perspectives on it. Um, even though you and I both know that, uh, 2020 is just, it's not real. Yeah. It's not real. It's fake. We've talked, we've been very, very honest with all of you our wonderful listeners about how so much of the soccer is not real, um, in 2020. And that's not to take away, uh, from, all of the cool stuff that we saw in 2020, because there was, a, again, we're talking about a lot of the cool stuff that we saw in 2020 from from the team. Uh, but it's definitely, it, I think it's going to, this year, right, more than any other season, quote unquote, is going to be so easy to close a book on and be like, we're moving on. Uh, versus maybe some other years that might have ended a little bit more heartbreaking or a little bit more difficult or, or with more questions, right? 2020, I think for not just the Red Stars, but holistically, everyone is like, that's done, we're ready to like move on. So uh, Fall Series was, uh, was a ride, uh, it was a treat. I'm gonna call it a treat because uh, we didn't know, we didn't know if we were gonna get that. Uh, one thing, there was one absolute and there was going to be the Challenge Cup and it happened. And then all of a sudden uh, there was, you know, opportunity for something else and it, and it came to life. So it was, it was a real treat. And uh, we got to go cover a couple games. And I'm very, very grateful for that. And here we are putting it to rest. Uh, it was a ride. I'm sure it's something that, like, if we ever want to revisit again, we can. Uh, again, it's unforgettable.
1: I have one other little stat that I just don't have anywhere to put, but I love, um, about the fall series. So if you go to Vanessa DiBernardo's stats uh, for the fall series – uh, she has, unfortunately, kind of a poor aerial duel stat. It's like 33% or something because I think she attempted three and, and succeeded in one, which I was sad about because um, up until uh, the last game, the Sky Blue game, she did not have a stat because she had not yet attempted any, <laughs> which I really – I was like, you know what? Smart. It's smart. They're bad for your head. Anyway, if that was just a stat that I really enjoyed – um from vanessa di bernardo while i was going through all that stuff i just i just thought it was i thought it was nice that that she uh she i, I wanted her to get through clean with no aerial duels <laughs> but unfortunately she did attempt some uh which makes sense because that was a that was a rough game
0: <laughs> red stars, get after those duels baby <laughs> love to see it uh you know we've got some things in the works uh, for everybody thanks for thanks for riding with us as always a period but b really for this fall series uh, a time where we didn't really know what stuff was going to look like uh, how it was going to feel you know it, it it felt still like even similarly to to when the challenge cup was going to kick out there were some some fears there right there were some concern and um it was like well how's this going to look how's this going to feel what's it going to be like uh, without a bubble environment right Et, cetera, et cetera. And, um, there was all of that there, I think for, for us as well. Um, but thankfully, uh, everybody has here to, to get through some, some, some of that. And we got to see some red stars and their performances throughout these matches, uh, get recognized and, and a handful of them are currently in U S women's national team camps at the moment. And, uh, while we don't have plans to discuss a whole lot about that because it's just training camps, there's no games, there is going to be additional Red Stars content from us for all of you guys to continue to close out the year. Uh, you heard us mention at the top of this segment that there is an expansion draft on the horizon. Um, you know, oh, a, a, a trade window did close, so there is still potential for announcements of any type of movement to be made and uh, there will eventually be uh, the reveal of protected team lists right that all clubs are expected to submit to the league ahead of the expansion draft for racing Louisville FC so there's a lot that's going to occur pretty rapidly in the next couple of weeks, actually. And, uh, we intend to be there with you all, uh, throughout all of the deadlines as they come through. Uh, we'll hit you guys up with predictions, right? We'll hit you guys up with, uh, reactions and we're very good at counting ourselves. So we'll probably say like, you know, LOL, that didn't work out. Did it?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, I think probably big expansion draft episode will be next week. Um, Yeah. Hold, hold on everybody. It's, uh,
0: it's going down. We'll see. It is, it is going down. It's going to be interesting to see, um, the movement for, for everybody. Right. Uh, We already saw a really big move. Um, between three teams already with, with all rain, the thorns and North Carolina courage in case. You missed it. Uh, Great soccer player uh, in the world. Crystal Dunn is playing for the Portland thorns now. So that's kind of scary, uh, but shout out to her. <laughs> yeah. I mean, part of Chicago, well,
1: we'll get there. We'll get there. But part of Chicago's off season is they just got to kind of keep up, right? There's some stuff happening.
0: You want to, you want to talk about, uh, some scrappy scrappers. Well, here's your shot. Hang on. buckalo. Uh, folks, We will be there with you to recap everything uh, from the Chicago Red Stars perspective, of course, as always. uh, In the meantime, we just want to let you know that you can stay engaged with us, uh, you know, and continue your support of our work and the podcast by subscribing to our patron. That's really the best way you can uh, go ahead and show love and uh, make sure that we're, getting out all of the Chicago Red Stars content that you love and enjoy. Uh, We understand that 2020 is a difficult year and, you know, being able to subscribe, uh, find a a subscription that works for you, uh, might not be something that you can do right now. Money's tight in all places. Uh, But for whatever reason, if you're unable to show financial support by subscribing, I just want to let you know that there's still ways to support Southside Trap Podcast, the podcast that helps you stay outside with the Chicago Red Stars, and you can do that by following us on all social media channels. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Southside Trap Pod. It's one letter P. You can find us on streaming services like Anchor, Spotify, iTunes. So go ahead and find us, uh, subscribe, leave us a like, a rating, a review. All that stuff helps us out tremendously whenever we're trying to produce Chicago Red Stars content for you all. So please continue to Stay safe, uh, make good choices, wear your mask, be healthy, wash your hands, wash your face, wash everything, and uh, continue your support uh, for Black players and Black life. And we will be back with you next week to talk about some expansion.